Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me and tuning into this podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. This podcast is here to open your awareness. I want to provide you with tactical teachings on how to master your mindset, create your ideal reality, overcome obstacles, and leverage adversity. And most importantly, it's to help you realize that you are in total control of your reality. My hope? To inspire and motivate you to keep going, and no matter what, it's all about mind over matter. Be sure to check out my website, heatherhakes.com, for freebies and other learning opportunities. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 229. In today's interview, we discuss everything from divorce to relationships, masculinity, and what's really missing in today's relationships. Be sure you listen all the way to the end to learn the 10 rules of masculinity. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Micah Lambert. Micah, welcome. Heather, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Give the listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? I am Denver, Colorado based, and I am a men's divorce consultant. So I work with guys that have gone through either a breakup or divorce, because I feel like those are very similar. Um, And I help them reframe the way that they think about relationships and male-female dynamics so that they can move on in life and find meaningful, fulfilling relationships. And I think that's so important. And something you said that, although it's kind of funny, I actually completely relate to you that whether you're going through a serious relationship, a breakup, or an actual divorce, they are very similar because I was engaged to be married and how it all went down, it literally felt like a divorce and we weren't even married. Yeah. You know, I have guys who will be in a relationship for three or four months and it's hurting them just as bad as a guy that is coming out of a 20 year marriage. It's uh, the dynamics of going through the grief of losing someone are pretty intense. Well, and I also feel, and I want to ask you, I, I feel like a lot of this is people set up expectations, how they think a relationship should go or, or was going to go. And, and maybe they, you know, somebody who only dated a few months thought they were going to marry her. Is it a lot of reframing the expectations and the ideals that they had? Yeah. Um, I think the word I like to use is beliefs. Mm. They deep down believe that a relationship is going to go a certain way. It's more than an expectation. And that's where this high level of grief comes from is, you know, they believe that they're connected they're They found their soulmate, their twin flame, whatever you want to call it. And that's not necessarily the case or they wouldn't be calling. Well, and so that's what I really want to get into this whole, because you went through your own divorce. Correct. Which I believe is that what sent you down this path. Yeah, you know, I uh, when I went through my divorce, I really looked around for somebody to talk to, you know, uh, something that would give me some tools and resources and a way to deal with what I was going through. And uh, there just weren't a lot of options for me. There were there was a lot of traditional therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy, but that really wasn't what I was looking for. I wanted to. I realized on some level that. I was culpable in that divorce 
my behavior and you know, I was responsible and I needed to learn ways to move forward without doing that ever again. It was very painful and something I wanted to avoid. Well, and so there's a couple avenues we could go on that route. A lot of people, when, when they face those emotions, that, that so much pain and they want to avoid it, never deal with it again. I think that's when a lot of the masks come on and the walls go up. And But for you to step up and, and take 100% responsibility for your actions, like that takes emotional intelligence. Well, thank you. <laughs> I just a lot um, of people play victim and they blame the other person and it was their fault and they were well no what what was my responsibility in the relationship agreed I think that was uh I think you come to that realization anyway you always look especially guys you know being solution-based and fixers they will look at a situation and say what went wrong and they may develop some victim mentality like oh she treated me poorly and you know, she's such a bad woman, so on and so forth. But really, when they're sitting alone by themselves, they're thinking, what did I do to create this issue? They may not take that responsibility, but they do know they have culpability for sure. Okay, I want to ask you real quick. I This just popped in my mind. I want to hear your feelings behind the saying, happy wife, happy life. Um, I think that is a ridiculous statement. I think that uh, anytime you go into a relationship and you sacrifice yourself to a point of making someone else happy, you will lose yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you have to be the most important person in your world. I know that sounds crazy, but it's this, you know, the whole idea of put your mask on first. You can't be a protector. You can't be a provider if you have sacrificed and given everything, you must take care of yourself. So happy wife, happy life. How about happy couple, happy life? It's, you know, it really has to be about both parties. And that doesn't matter what your gender association is. Both parties have to be in a satisfactory situation or it's never going to last. I agree. And honestly, that that saying has never sat well with me because one, I believe that makes women to be these real big controlling bitches, more or less. And I don't think that's fair. But I also don't come from the mentality that I bring 50% at the table and you bring 50% and then we make a whole. I believe I bring 100, you bring 100, and then we have two holes. Yeah, I I do believe that there is some connection that happens between men and women that does complete us if that weren't there we wouldn't have any drive to be together we have lots and lots and lots of friends or i do and most people do they have all these interactions and human beings that we talk to and relate to but somewhere deep down inside us there is some desire for us to connect with each other on a primal level so yes Maybe it's 95%, 95% that makes a whole, but we do need each other and we do want to connect. So it's a little, you know, I don't agree with this idea. I'm a whole person. You're a whole person. I can't make you happy and you can't make me happy. Because if you come in my house and you live with me and you're happy throwing garbage all over the place, I'm not going to be happy. You're making me unhappy. I'm not a complete person when my house is not where I need it to be. 
So a lot of it is selecting the right partner and making sure that we're not just compatible, but also cohesive in some way. The idea of I'm an independent and have full autonomy and you're an independent and have full autonomy, that doesn't make for a very good cohabitation type relationship. And I totally hear what you're saying. I think I think of it more as like the yin and the yang. So I bring my forces, you bring your forces, and there's just an amazing energetic connection to create this thing. That is something very different than you have with anyone else anywhere, right? Yes. It's a very unique area of life. And I do believe that that is right. I believe that we are collaborative in our energy, men and women, I mean. And it's important to understand that women bring something to the table as a feminine and men bring something to the table as a masculine that creates an event that is a relationship. And as long as both parties stay in their frames, mental states, then that can continue. I feel like a lot of times men fall out of their masculine frame and into feminine dynamics or even child dynamics that create a lot of problems. Well, and I mean, that's something that I've learned about over the last few years is this whole masculine and feminine presence and energy and who we are at our core that we kind of bounce back and forth depending on maybe what's going on in life, that fight or flight. But that's something I really want you to dive into is this whole, like kind of the losing yourself and, and, and the men getting out of this masculine role and, and, and how that creates conflict in relationships. So let's go right down back to the, the origin of how men and women develop as children. We, model our parents or whatever adults we're living with at the time. And that's where we learn our basic relationship knowledge. It's, it's the base for us to start with, right? If our parents were yelling at each other all the time and fighting constantly, we might come into adulthood and say, I'm never going to be like that. And that may make us into truly avoidant people. We may feel like we would we don't stand up for ourselves. We won't say when something is bothering us because we don't want to have a conflict like our parents did. Or maybe our parents were super loving and showed us exactly how to get through life. And then we come into a, an adult relationship dynamic and all of a sudden our partner is from another mindset. And we're like, what? This is supposed to be easy. My parents do this. It's fluid for them. So it all, everything we learn comes from our modeling as children. And then, of course, we have our adaptation. We use that modeling as we go through life. Something like by the time we're 14, we have some of that set. And then we're using three or four basic models to move through life from there. And experiences alter those, all blah, blah, blah. But a lot of guys in our society right now were raised by their mothers, all the way up through high school, maybe even had female professors and teachers and had very little exposure to any masculine modeling until they hit the real world. And that can be, you know, if you're leaving college at 22, 23 years old, and you've never had any real masculine role models, peers don't necessarily teach us like elders teach us. You know, someone who's on the same wavelength as us 
the same brain can't, what's the Einstein quote? Uh, you can't use the same brain to fix a problem that created the problem or something along those lines. It's, right. So I think peer knowledge can be dangerous if we're not careful. Boys learn about sex. They learn about women. They learn about relationships from their buddies and whatever their mothers tell them instead of looking at real role models. And we don't have a lot. You know, you look in, in uh, uh, television, movies, even music. There's not a lot of real strong male role models there. Television and movies, most guys are absolute buffoons and the women are smart. They're, the women are these grown men's mothers. So I believe the big issues that we run into are some, is something called mother-son dynamics. Boys learn that if they keep their mom happy, that they get rewarded. If they break the rules in the house, they don't get the love that they think they need. If they follow the rules in the house, then they get the love they need. They get the pat on the head. They get the, a cookie. You've got to clean your room before you can go out. All of those create something called tit-for-tat dynamics in male-female relationships. And those don't work. We're not here to turn women into prostitutes and men into pack mules. It, that is not a good relationship dynamic. So when men come through that and then roll into these adult relationships, they don't know how to interact with women. And they don't understand that most women are raised by their mothers. So they have a very mask. I mean, a very feminine core. They know what femininity looks like. They have excellent role models just because their mothers are there. I won't say excellent, but most women will have friends so that girls get exposure to other women and role models, teachers, professors, those kinds of things. Boys are not getting a lot of that. So these women come into adulthood and they expect true masculine feminine dynamics. And the boys come into this thing and they're like, oh, I'm going to do everything I can to make her happy. I'm going to pedestalize her. I'm going to treat her like I treated my mother. And that is not the way to go into a relationship. Women want a man that is, I would, I'm not going to say dominant. I'm going to say assertive. I think that's the best word to use. A guy who knows where he's going and what he's doing. In my experience, that's a very attractive guy. That's a, that's a first trait to create desire in a relationship is being on his purpose staying in his mental frame and a masculine frame, not a feminine frame. And what I see in most relationships is that two people fall in love with each other because the man is doing what he wants to do in his life. He's uh, experiencing what he wants to do. She's experiencing what she wants to do. They go into cohabitation and then he changes he says, I've got to do this to make her happy because I think she's like my mom or she's like all the women I've ever modeled, seen modeled for me. And that's not what she signed up for. That's not what the woman signed up for. She signed up for the guy that was doing whatever he wanted, right? Was in his, on purpose and in his frame. And then he comes in and decides, 
He's going to change it and create the happy wife, happy life scenario. And he uses mother son dynamics to do that. So it's, that's failure right there. I mean, that is just headed for failure. In my opinion. Well, and you're definitely speaking my language. So now from a female perspective, or at least mine, I I can relate to a lot of what you said. And, and I'm wondering what I hear from, you know, relationships that have failed divorce, or I have girlfriends that are married only a couple of years in and they're like already unhappy. Number one, it seems like courting ends. Like why did courting the relationship end after the engagement or the marriage? Why did that stop? Um, I believe that people who are inauthentic when they start dating Mm. and they put on a face or a mask, I think this happens very often. We will say people are on their best behavior when they're dating, right? But that's the mask. That's a front that you're putting on. And then as we get more comfortable with this person, our real human starts to show. The way we really look at the world starts to show. This can be both from men and women. So this is, I'm not chastising any one gender. Both of, both parties will do this. Yeah. And that looks really attractive. But again, if you're only putting on a front and saying, this is the kind of person I want to be, most people can't hold that for more than about four to eight months. So my advice to guys is to show up and be authentic be genuine, be confident, but own who you are. And then don't cohabitate with someone until you've known them for at least a year. You know, get to know that person, let their masks drop, let your masks drop, get to a place where you really truly do know each other. If, uh, if you move too fast, then complacency sets in, real personalities start to show up, that's not what either one of you signed up for. Desire goes down. We wind up on that bottom rung of relationships called, it's, it's something called contempt, the bottom rung. And it's terrible. It's, uh, that's where resentment, dissatisfaction, all those things start to develop. And it's because we're not being genuine or authentic when we start. Okay, so then question for you, for those people either single, currently in a relationship, want to turn their relationship around, want to go into the next one with a better mindset, better equipped. I mean, how, how does one, male or female, how do you approach a relationship? Because I think most people are so afraid of rejection, right? And so that they want to put Number on that one. face and like prove themselves. Number one, I don't think you need to prove yourself. And so what you said is to own who you are. But sure. how do... I believe, and I, I'm definitely working on it and still it's, it's something I, but I push myself out of my comfort zone. I am all about being vulnerable and being open and being authentic. And it's like, hey, this is me. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. Not in an arrogant manner and not in a stubborn, I will never change. But I just want you to know like, hey, I'm super into personal development. I don't want to get drunk at weekends at the bars and and I'm just not into what everybody else is doing. So what are your words to to try to teach somebody or show them, Hey, authenticity is sexy. How do you own it? And how do you show that in a relationship? I think the first step is self-love and self-awareness. 
you know, if you're going through life and, and not really looking at yourself and looking at other people, this, this is how you get victim mentality. This is how you, you uh, roll in into a situation where you can't take responsibility, right? So I think working on your own self-love, self-acceptance is the first step. Mm. And to me, when guys come to me and they have been, maybe they've been through three or four short-term relationships or one extremely long one, they don't really even know who they are. They know that they're a grown man, you know, XY chromosomes are running, primal blueprint is running, but they don't know where they're at. They don't know, are they attractive? Are, do, what about them can they even bring to the table? So a lot of guys will make up who they are and, you know, have this idea who, who they are, but they don't really own it. It's not really part of their core. So that's my six week program is 10 rules of masculinity and five weekly sessions to help them build back that core masculine, however they want to do it. You know, the rules are very uh, prescriptive for a reason so that you can step into them or any man can step into them and really feel that primal masculine core again and eliminate some of these behaviors that are the mother-son dynamic behaviors, you know, understanding a little bit more about how to, to build sexual tension and drive desire in a relationship long-term, not short-term, and basically reframe the way you think you look to the world so that you can actually see who you are and create a level of transparency as you step out into the world. That's the goal. Can we touch on these 10 rules of masculinity? Yeah, we can. You know, the first two, and these are crazy, right? People are always like, what? But the first two rules are never supplicate, never capitulate. So in male-female relationships, if a guy says, if a guy asks you, hey, I want to go to Florida and go to Disneyland. And you say, I'm not interested in Disneyland. And then he starts to beg you. He starts to supplicate. That puts him in a place of a child. So for the female mind, she immediately sees supplication as a childish behavior. This kills the masculine core. It's actually moving that man closer to a feminine dynamic because in a mother-son dynamic, mothers are there to protect and control. They need to protect and control their children. It is not, women are, they don't like having sex with children. So desire goes out the window when a man supplicates. And when a man capitulates, that's you know where he just lays down. He says, this is the way it's going to be in this house. And his wife or his girlfriend says, no, I'm doing it this way. And that's happening. He's like, all right, whatever. He doesn't stand his ground. That is not masculine. That is not on frame, on purpose. That is somebody who's just blowing his mouth off and then not standing behind it. That creates unnecessary tension in the relationship. And if he were to just stand his ground and say, no, that is the way it's going to be in this house. This is my house as well as your house, 
but it's my house and I want to live this way. And if she doesn't want to live that way, she's not your girl, right? You got to get your head wrapped around that. You chose poorly and it's time for you to move forward. So those, you know, running through those kind of thought processes really bring a man back to his masculine core. And the thing about rules is we always break them. That's, that's why I made them into rules. So as long as we keep, we keep that thought process, we're never going to be that way 100% of the time. Nobody is. There are always going to be compromises and bending and breaking of the rules that take us into the next steps. The next two rules that I think are really important, frame is everything. Frame is the most important part of relationship dynamics. When a man falls into a feminine frame of mind, he loses so much of his masculine core. So if he is not, if he has a dream of buying a sailboat and, you know, living a nomad life, then he meets this girl and all of a sudden he's buying a house in Highlands Ranch and going to work as an insurance salesman. He is definitely not in his frame. He has fallen into a provider frame, which is feminine frame. He is not going to be attractive anymore. His desi- the desire level in the relationship starts to drop when a man breaks the first rule, which is capitulation. And then the second rule, he doesn't maintain his frame. Right? I mean, that's so it's very important and vital that men stay in their masculine frame. They do what they want to do. And if a if women want to be in that relationship with him doing what he wants to do, great. Now you found the, what you want. If she doesn't, you got to go to the next one. And same for women. Women have to stay in a feminine frame and live a feminine life the way they want to in their core. They don't need to be stepping up in a relationship. Now they're wearing the pants in the house. All those kinds of things cause problems inside yeah. the relationship. So frame is super important. So I want to interject there because I just, I, I hear what you're saying, but I want to paint a clear picture because I don't want women to be listening and go, whoa, so I'm supposed to accept this controlling man who's going to tell me what to do. That is not what you're saying at all. You're nope. simply saying you don't want this man who has these dreams and these desires to go do this thing and then to more or less lose those desires and dreams because he met someone who they're not on the same page. Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. The idea is if you personally met a guy and he all of a sudden changed in six months or a year, he changed completely from what you had fallen in love with. That would be a raw deal, right? You did not sign up for that and vice versa. So if a woman is, you know, showing up as a feminine in her feminine frame and gets into a relationship and then all of a sudden becomes this person who's pushing on her man to change him, treating him like a child, changing his life. That is a poor match, in my yes. opinion. Those are two people that should never have gone down this road. Because if you can't accept his frame and he can't accept her frame, then what is the point of being in a cohabitation relationship of any kind? At that point, you're both sacrificing who you are in your core, which is terrible. And that's the whole thing. Don't go into a relationship expecting to, quote, change someone or to mold them into who you want to be. Okay. 
Yeah, we are not trainers of humans. Yes. You don't go, you don't take on a project, you take on a partner, right? I mean, that's very, very, very important in my opinion. Okay, and keep going. The next rule is never, ever self-deprecate. This is something that men do. Now, you can, you can laugh at yourself. That's not self-deprecation. You can joke about yourself, but when you are beating yourself up, I should be this. I should be. I'm stupid. I'm and self-talk, right? That's the worst. Trust me, the world will do enough of that for you. So you need to put on a, a mindset of, I'm going to talk to myself like he's a seven-year-old boy. And I would never, ever cuss out a seven-year-old boy. I would never stand in front of a seven-year-old and call him a moron or an idiot or a jackass. And if you would you might need to reframe yourself. <laughs> so that's, I think that's, you know, really important. And then the next thing is the next two rules are really about learning how we, how women communicate and men communicate because communication can be a big breakdown in a relationship, right? Yes. <laughs> women by nature would like to communicate over uh, covertly where they don't really ask point blank questions. The reason for this is women like to keep harmony in relationship and social structure. Men are overt communicators. They do this because of their hunting dynamic and the way they communicated with each other. There's no time for pleasantries when you're you know, trying to kill a, a woolly mammoth or a saber-toothed tiger. You know, you're not like, hey, Bill, uh, do you think you want to take that right flank? And uh, maybe you could uh, cover Jim over there. No, we don't have time for that. It's you go there, you do this, we communicate in, in that style. And I think it's also one of the ways we raise our children, we bring our sons into manhood, we show our daughters what masculinity is, is by being those truly overt communicators. Okay, question. So learning... Okay, go for it. Something that just came to mind, is this a clear example of what you're discussing? The whole, and I don't think I've really ever dealt with this because I'm, I'm pretty decisive, but I hear a complaint about it all the time is when it comes down to dinner, where do you want to go? What do you want to eat? And the guy's like, just tell me where you want to fucking go. And the woman's like, well, we could have. Yeah, that is exactly what we're talking about. That's a little bit different, but that is part of this. You know, I think... And this is going to sound, you edit this out if you want, but I think men should tell, not ask. When men ask women, hey, where do you want to go to dinner? That puts her in the masculine frame at that point. If he were to just say, hey, Heather, grab your coat and your purse. We're going to dinner. Oh, that's you. You bet. Now you are going to say, where are we going? Yeah. And now there's a level of adventure and excitement and leadership. So taking the lead. And I, I use that all the time. Tell, don't ask. If she doesn't want to do it, she'll let you know. It's not like, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're not being domineering again. We're just being assertive. And I do believe that that is a way to build good sexual tension in a relationship is to tell, not ask. I like it's, that. Very masculine. This idea, though, is listening for overt questions from your woman. 
If a woman is using overt language when she's talking to a man, that means she's exhausted all of her feminine way of talking. You're not listening. The guy is not listening. If she's asking you an overt question, you screwed up, man. Somewhere back in there, you heard this question already 30 times and you didn't pay attention. So learning the difference between covert and overt and understanding that women communicate, subcommunicate, and use body language much, much more than they ever use overt language. So open your eyes, get your head out of your ass, and understand what she's trying to say to you without her talking to you like a man. If she's talking to you like a guy, she's exhausted her feminine way of communication, and you've screwed up somewhere. Can you give an example of one of those questions or a conversation? Um, it could be something as simple as she would come in and say, so what are you thinking about for dinner? That is a covert question. Instead of saying, what do you want for dinner? What are we doing for dinner? Those are overt as opposed to covert. So listening for her message via the questions that she asks and the way that she's moving in a harmonious way, she will ask things like, uh, are you sure you want to do that? That's very covert. Are you sure you want to do that? Rather than saying, don't do that anymore. That's an overt. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And there's a, the idea behind this is there's books that go with each of these rules. Okay. So one of the books, these, these two rules that are tied together here is actions speak louder than words. Understand that women use body language, they use subcommunication, and they use covert language all the time. So those actions speak louder than words and know what an overt covert question is come from Joe Navarro's body language book. And he goes through a lot of different things, a lot of different body language patterns, the ability to see how a woman is taking up space in the room, how her legs are crossed, how her arms are crossed, how much she nods her head. Those kinds of things are all really important communication cues that men don't necessarily give each other. But it's something very important, I think, for guys to understand what that is. It will help in the dating process, and it really helps in the long term. Okay. Were, were those all 10 rules? No, we have a couple more. We've got uh, the next two are know what you want in a partner. Most guys go through life with a scarcity mindset and they take what they can get. They're always looking for someone and this woman shows them attention or affection and they're like, well, I guess I'm falling in love. Do Is she really what I want? So I have guys write down a stack of five traits and I don't mean like brown hair, blue eyes, those kinds of things. I mean traits like integrity, maturity, uh, stability, those kinds of traits that you're looking for in a woman. And then on the back of that card, I want you to write the five deal breakers. So the five deal breakers are your red flags, but we don't look at those. We just look for the traits. We know they're there. Remember that they can happen, but we're looking for green flags on the front, right? So... Know what you want in a partner. And then the next part of that is see the agenda. That's the other rule. Every single human on this planet, and I know people are like, I don't have an agenda. Everyone has an agenda. 
everyone has an agenda. If we're sitting and talking to each other and communicating, I'm trying to shift your paradigm with the language that's coming out of my mouth. So you can either validate me or get closer to what I want you to be, right? I mean, that's what we do as humans. That's how we, we pass knowledge. That's how we get what we want out of life. So understand that this person you're looking for at or for has an agenda. Try to pick up on what her agenda is or his agenda. This is, again, learning more about who you are and who they are. Better mate selection when we follow these two rules. And then the last two rules, bitch to your buddies and break the mirror. Bitch to your buddies says that women learn from high emotional experiences. That negatives don't teach women very well. Men do learn well from negatives. They solution-based, where women are more emotional-based creature. So the things that bring positives in their life are what they learn from. And where they create most of their joy and happiness. So if guys are bringing their work troubles, their bosses beating them up, they're struggling with their brother, they're fighting with their mom, they bring that garbage into their relationship and talk to their wives and partners about it, they're bringing negatives into the relationship. Have boy buddies. Have buddies. Go once a week at least and sit with your boys and talk about the things that bother you with other men instead of bringing it home and trying to get a solution from someone who's not solution-based, who's emotional-based. All you're doing is dropping the desire in your whole relationship. So that's a, to me, that's very, very important. Get out, talk to your boys. Take your problems to other men, not to your partner at home. That's a different type of relationship. And then the final rule is break the mirror. Just because she's in a bad mood doesn't mean you have to be in a bad mood. We can change each other's state of mind in a half a second. If I come home and my woman is in my face, she's having a really bad day, and I am having a good day, all I got to do is grab a hold of her and spin her around the kitchen, grab her lip and say, baby, you are so cute when you're pissed off. Because it's not about me. It's about her, right? So yeah. change her state. And that's that happens. That, that took five seconds for me to change that woman's state of mind. Now, you may be in a negative state. And at that point, maybe you need to step away. Maybe you need to take some time if your partner is not going to do that. But I think... True masculine men break that mirror. They do not mirror their partner. They stand in their frame, on their purpose, and live their life their way. And women come into that frame because they like it and love it, and we are a complement to each other. This idea that you become like your woman, that's losing frame again. It's not good. So that's those are my 10 rules, and they go way, way. We can get off into the weeds on this stuff, but those are the 10 rules. I really like, I, I hadn't heard that before, break the mirror. Because can you imagine if that's what happened when two people come together in a heated argument? If one person isn't matching the energy, if one person can stand back and, and like to break it or to provide the love or a, a safe space for that person to vent or whatever, that it would, oh my gosh, that would be a game changer. I agree. It is a game changer. It actually will modify your relationship so quickly. It's unreal. 
I love all it. of these rules are based on masculine human behavior, evolutionary masculine human behavior. And there's some things in there that we've lost sight of. So mm-hmm. I think it, you know, if a guy can get those 10 rules, tape them to his bathroom mirror, think about them every day, let them be a part of you and let them be in your core. You will have so much more rewarding interactions with people. I love this. I actually, there's a handful of my close guy friends I'm thinking about right now. I cannot wait for them to listen to this episode. So I, I, <laughs> I have a question for you. What is one key takeaway you want listeners to get from today's conversation? Um, key takeaway. I would say the key takeaway is that men need to step into their masculine and stay there and that women need to step into their feminine and stay there. Mm. I think that's the, that's one of the major issues we have in our society is that women step into the masculine because men don't show up and men don't even know how to get into their masculine. So now we have women running around with masculine core and showing you know masculine traits that's not necessarily hyper attractive to any man whether he's masculine or feminine and then feminine men show up like children so getting this right understanding that this is what we really are and that these behaviors that we've learned can be modified it's pretty simple stuff when you really break it down yeah agreed okay so then i have a few i Honestly, relationships in masculine feminine energy is something I could talk about for days. Same here. But uh, when I, I'd really like to ask you a few last questions to wrap up the interview. The first one being, what is a quote or motto that you live by? Oh, man. If you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. For sure. That's, that's my, one of my favorites. So that says get uncomfortable, get comfortable with uncomfortable. You know, we always are humans want to move toward pleasure and away from pain. And that usually drops us into a loop, a positive feedback loop. And those are the most dangerous places to be. We've got to get uncomfortable. Well said. Second question for you. What is a book you are currently reading or highly recommend? Okay, currently I'm reading something called The Intention Project, maybe, I think is what it's called. And it's a really interesting book about how um, our consciousness may be able to affect the physical world as well as everything around us. So it's, uh, I mean, we all know, we've all heard about the secret and these ideas that you know, if you uh, mat, you can manifest things that you want in your life. This is taking it to a more of a quantum physics level mm. that whatever your intention is, is what you will find. And I tend, it, it really works with my philosophy, you know, around our, this idea that our reticular activating system, our brains actually look for the things that we think about. So if we're always thinking about red flags, this is one of the reasons why in relationships, I do not want guys out there looking for red flags you will find them if you're looking for them you will find them they will find you and you will never get your green flags so tuning the brain or the reticular activating system toward the uh the good the things that you really want that's setting an intention now 
a lot of times that can create a much better outcome than having expectations. Expectations don't get met. Intentions just haven't been met. I'm going to have to pick that up because I know for a fact that what you focus on expands. Correct. Okay. And uh, what I would recommend would be that uh, Robert, Dr. Robert Glover's No More Mr. Nice Guy. That's for both men and women. It will teach okay. you about your guy and it will teach a guy how to step away from his mother-son dynamics. It's a ex- fabulous book. Okay. Final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self? Oh, man, I would say slow down. It's not a race. It's a journey. That's what I would tell my younger self is take a little more time. You know, when I was young, man, I was a hustler, 80, 90 hours a week. And I ran a monster construction company and we had 15 different sales divisions and it was awesome but it didn't matter. None of that was what really mattered. It was, you know, it's family, it's connection. It's the time to let your brain think and heal and learn. And those are the much more important parts of the journey, in my opinion. I love that. And what a note to end on. Micah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. To connect with me even further, follow me on Instagram at heather.hakes. You can find me on YouTube to get even more information and video content and my website, heatherhakes.com. I'll catch you on the next episode.